everybody. Welcome back to the Arcane Dice Podcast. I'm Dave. I play Scout Unit 13, formerly known as Carl. And boy, is my face redder than Rudolph's nose with embarrassment and shame. Uh, unfortunately, the episode 33 that we uh, that we recorded had a fun time uh, playing, running through. Is Unfortunately, we had some audio problems and it is unairable. And uh, due to the fact that, you know, it is the Christmas season, everybody's off uh, the four corners of the world and schedules are tight and everybody's doing their own little thing to, you know, get ready for Christmas and all that, we unfortunately could not re-record it. But uh, we didn't want to leave you stranded without an episode Christmas. I mean, you got to have something to, uh, you know, maybe put under the tree, whatever. So we threw a little something together. Um uh, it is not the longest, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, it is an episode and it, uh, entails the basics and, uh, the majority of what happened in episode 33. So please, I'm kind of proud to present episode 33, the shittiest Christmas episode ever. Enjoy. friends welcome please sit be comfortable enjoy we are so glad you can join us to hear a tale of adventure and magic i imagine you are all surprised to see me yes i have to admit i am a little surprised myself but this is a special time of year and with a little magic and a imposing deadline anything is possible so Allow me to regale you of our story of adventure and magic. To continue our story of our brave... No, 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 no. I'm not calling them that. What do you mean they have to? They just left me on a slab. No funeral, no service, no nothing. They took all my stuff. That's not very heroic. What, what am I, some sort of common monster to kill and get loot and experience from? Fine. Fine. Allow me to regale you of our story of adventure and magic. And to continue our story of our brave heroes. We find our heroes on the outskirts of Trollclaw Ford, picking up the trail of the gnome illusionist. The captain of the guard had offered them 2,000 gold for the head of the elf that had caused such a disturbance within the village. I have to say, that is a lot of gold better than uh, anything Mortar has been able to haggle for for any other job. Sure, they would have to find an elf and kill him for that money. They would probably get a lot less for the head of a gnome. Setting off northwest, our heroes head off into troll country once again. Some weighing the pros and cons of bringing back the random elf's head with some, you know, and some in the form of a wolf. 
That was Dusha's thing, though. He and Mortor had been together for a long time. I like to think he, he does it so he wouldn't have to talk to Mortor all day long. I mean, can you imagine what would he be saying? Oh, rah, 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 this, rah, 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 this, douche, douche, douche. Carl and Calypso were not so lucky, and they spent many hours listening to Mortor's random conversation. Following the gnome's tracks, as they themselves followed the winding river, our heroes finally crested the hill to find a large rockside along the path. Mortor, scanning the countryside, sees off into the distance a horde of trolls making their way along a different route towards Trollclaw Forge. Now, at this time, they were four or so hours out of Trollclaw Forge. That's, that's a bit fair, a bit of day right there. Uh, if you're tracking someone, you just can't turn around and head the other direction, especially when you're trying to catch up with them. Dusha, of course, felt differently. Carl, it felt he wasn't really their problem. I like the way Carl thinks. Very practical. Hung out together in the sword for a while. Strange fellow indeed. The very pale girl Calypso. She felt the same way. I met her boss. Nice lady. Doesn't say much, I tell you. A couple of days of experience the joys and wonders of Calimport. I am sure her whole outlook would change. Or at least she'd get a little color. Dusha. Once again, taking the world's problems into his hand finds a workable solution that doesn't involve turning back. Let's be honest, the place was doomed from the very beginning. Who builds a village in the middle of troll country? One might as well slather meat all over themselves and sit in a tiger's cage. So Dusha, using his great magics, writes in the sky above where the village should be. Troll horde, coming your way, be prepared. And they carry on tracking the illusionist gnome. It's a good thing they carried on and did not turn back. The village, like all other times before, it was overrun. There was much gnawing and gnashing of teeth and cooking of fires. What? What do you mean? Of course it's part of the story. They definitely wanted... No, no, of course, it's not very Christmassy, but let's be honest. None of the story is very Christmassy. Fine. So Dusha... Using his great magic, warns the village of Trollclaw Forge that they carry on tracking the gnome Belal. Ever more cautious, knowing that there may be a troll around any bend of the hill. Now our heroes. They come around a bend in the river and they hear a little childlike voice. Proclaiming his love and affection for his new toy, which is a little strange to hear out in the wilds. Creeping forward, they come to find a heel giant, tossing a troll up in the air like a rag doll and catching it over and over and over and over and over. The problem is, the tracks of this gnome go right through the camp, and to walk around would take, mm, uh, you know, an hour or so or more. But Carl and Calypsa and Dusha try to work out a plan of what they should do. Mortor, watching this giant toss the troll up, and down and over and over comes up with a plan of his own. You all know where this is going. I mean, how many times has this dwarf had died already? 10? 15? 30? Yet I'm the one laying on the slab with his pockets turned out. Cullis dead and forgotten. Not even two coppers left to pay a ferryman. Do you have any idea how hard it is to sneak onto that boat? So Mortor... In his infinite wisdom, throws his mighty hammer at the giant. 
Smashing him square in the chest. I guess it's 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 what dwarves do. If you know, not fondling their gold, they're attacking giants. The giant, in surprise and amazement, throws the troll at Mortor. I mean, fair is fair. You throw a hammer, he throws a troll. Mortor, flat on the ground, knocked from his horse and covered in angry, snarling troll. The battle is on. Calypso, she acts first, casting slow upon the giant. Carl, marking his foe as rangers do, and urging his horse forward, fires his blunderbuss at the giant, piercing him with multiple holes as he hits. Doug, his faithful companion, bounding forward, disappearing to reappear around the giant's legs, darting in for a bite once, twice, each time opening a wound on the giant's legs. The giant, looking down at Doug, weaving between his legs, goes to smash him with his fist, but trips and crashes onto the ground. Dusha, who for once isn't some strange animal, concentrates in the armband around the giant's arm grows white hot with heat, causing him to scream in pain and confusion. Poor Mortor, on the ground, is bitten and then clawed twice by the troll who wounds him critically. Mortor, calling out to his dear friend Dusha to get this damn troll off me, hits it square in the face with his hammer, then calls out a healing word to close some of his wounds. Calypso, gathering her magic, casts upon the face down on the ground giant, melting it in a pile of acid, ending the threat. Carl, seeing that the giant has been eliminated, turns his attention to the troll gnawing on Mortor. Sighing in resignation, you know, I have to say that is pretty impressive for someone who cannot breathe to actually sigh in resignation. It's, uh, it is truly a sight to see. Carl drops his blunderbuss, draws his longsword, and moves to attack the troll as Mortor calls out. He has everything under control. Ah, I got everything under control! You know how Mortor sounds. Drawing his sword back, Carl slashes the troll across his back, leaving a long gash where a sword connected with the flesh. Doug, racing forward to rejoin his master. Dusha draws his scimitar. You know, it's, uh, it's nice to see Dusha do something other than, you know, bite and growl and growl and bite. Dusha draws his scimitar and slashes the troll, but he stumbles with the whip of thorns, striking himself, seeming to strain the very strength and health from his body. Maybe that's why. Maybe, maybe that's why he's always like some wolf or tiger or whatever. He's not so good with his weapons. Mortor yells at the troll. We were trying to help you. Why, why are you being such an asshole? The troll's only reply is to bite Mortor. Catching his teeth on Mortor's armor. And tries to slash with his claws. The first striking the hard steel of Mortor's breastplate. The second digging deeply into Mortor's body. Dusha, I'm, I'm feeling a little woozy, cries out Mortor. Dusha tells him that... Since you're lying under troll, me I can light on fire, so you're not really helping situation. Mortor, bracing himself, getting his legs under troll, tries to kick him off. Meh. Get off me, you fat fox, screams Mortor, as he pushes helplessly against the troll. Calypso, feeling that Carl and Dusha have everything under control, starts examining the filthy remains of the hill giant's camp. 
finding a troll roasting over a giant fire and bags of rotten meat and offal laying around. Morally skinned animal rotting among the filthy giant's camp. Searching through the filthy camp, Calypso finds a small bag of silver and a container of strange dust. Throwing the silver towards the rest of the party, she carries on poking through the camp. Don't get me wrong, I am a huge fan of money, but to leave in the middle of a battle, that seems a little strange to me. Not even I is that bad, but I digress. Carl, in a flash of inspiration, remembers he has alchemist fire and assures Mortar that he will help grabbing it from his pack and throws it on the troll, lighting it on fire. Doug, joining his master, sits and cock his head in amusement, watching the flaming troll flailing on top of Mortor. Dusha, joining in on the fun, throws a flask of flaming oil at the troll, splashing it all over. As it hits, Mortor, barely getting out of the way, hiding behind the troll as it spreads. I'm, I'm actually surprised Dusha waited this long to light Mortor on fire. You, you would think after all the years of traveling with him, enlisting him, and picking up after him, and saving him, he would, he would jump at the opportunity. But I know a secret now. The troll, screaming in pain, jumps up, trying to pour Mortor with him, but unable to get a good hold. Have you seen Mortor? He's pretty big for a dwarf. Definitely could use a, miss a meal or eight. The troll, in panic, starts running for the river. Mortor, seeing his opportunity, swings his hammer, smashing it into his own head as he screams at the troll. Dusha, striking out with his thorn whip, critically wounds it as it tries to flee for the river. Carl hits it with his longsword, staggering the troll as Doug leaps in for a bite, tearing a chunk of flesh from the body of the troll. The troll, staggering to the river, succumbs to the flames and falls dead. Mortor, struggling to his feet, shaken and bleeding, staggers to the troll and kicks it repeatedly as it lays dead on the ground. Dusha, coming up to his friend Mortor, puts his hand on his shoulder and envelops him in healing magic, closing many of Mortor's wounds. Carl, dismounting from his horse, retrieves his blunderbuss and, toward and turns towards Mortor to tell him how foolish his actions were and remarked in surprise how he did not expect a giant to throw a troll at him. I mean... I'm pretty sure everyone was surprised that that's not something you see every day. I mean, how often do you get thrown a troll at? Thankfully, could you imagine having to worry about having trolls being thrown at you while adventuring? It's hard enough with the monsters and the traps and the evil wizards jumping out from behind every other tree. Carl continues on with hoping Mortor has learned a lesson from all this. Calypso feels Mortor probably hasn't learned a lesson. And you know what? She would be right. This is the guy who walked into poison gas and died how many times in a row? Like, really? I'd die once. That's it. Game over. Kaput. No more. This guy? He got a punch card. Free gift with every ten deaths or something. Mortor, staggering away from the troll, wipes some blood from his face and declares it is time to catch this gnome. Carl asks Mortor in surprise how he has managed to live this long. Dusha... Rolling his eyes, starts heading towards the giant's camp, picking up the bag of silver that Calypso had tossed at them earlier. Carl continues to wonder in amazement over how Mortor is alive, questioning why our gods would continue to keep giving someone like Mortor chances beyond belief, as the god of his world would not care to interact or intervene with the people unlike ours. 
Dusha carries on towards Calypso as Carl and Mortor discuss this. Poking into some of the sacks of the giant's camp, Dusha is disgusted to find them filled with rotting meat. Clearing a small area, Dusha sits down to concentrate and work his magics to see if there's anything magical within the camp. Only seeing that the container of dust hold any power, Dusha looks to find the gnome's tracks on the other side of the camp to continue tracking their quarry. Dusha calls Carl to the tracks to see if he can determine how long ago the gnome had passed. Carl, looking down, studying the tracks, determines that Belal is only about uh, six hours ahead of the heroes. Carl, turning back towards the camp, goes and grabs the still smoldering body of the troll and drags it to the fire to join the troll roasting on a spit. Surveying the awful camp, he grabs a flaming log from the fire. Burn it all down, he says, half to himself and to the party, as he sets the camp on fire. Heading down the trail a little further, they stop to take a rest, allowing Mortor to bind and heal his wounds, and Dusha to regain some of his magic to allow him to turn into a giant saber-toothed tiger. Continuing along the tracks, the heroes slowly gain on the gnome, but as night approaches, Carl calls for Dusha to heal. Ha! I wish I would have thought of that when we were together. I knew I liked this Carl. He definitely is entertaining to me. Calling for a halt, Carl begins to set up a quick camp as Dusha pads off into the growing dark to scout the surroundings for trouble. Noticing nothing more than small game animals and, you know, wildlife, whatever, he turns to the camp to settle for the night. And that, my friend, is where the story leaves off. Our heroes, secure and cozy in a small camp in the Trollands, four hours closer to the illusionist gnome. Warmed by a fire and full of food and resting and talking amongst themselves as they prepare for the night ahead. Unlike me, who's laying on a cold slab, forgotten, my story told. And now, I will take my leave, good friends. It was nice to warm myself by this fire and drink a little wine, but this is no longer my story. And my cold slab, I go wait and lie and dream of life no more. But... What do you mean? Well, you can clearly see I'm dead. There is no story for me. Well, how did I miss that? There are better things to do than follow them around all day. I mean, I've... A deal? I did not know. Perhaps you should tell me a little more about this deal. <laughs>